This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Rick Barr Properties. Hey, welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. This is episode 26. In this episode, we talked to Ben Fennell. He's a Drexel University alum, Emmy award-winning producer, editor. He's a researcher. Uh, across several media platforms, including the NFL Network, NFL Films, ESPN College Football. He has a uh, National Sports Emmy. Also has a Super Bowl ring for his work with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, more importantly, he's a Seinfeld enthusiast. So we break, uh, break down some Seinfeld episodes with Ben. Had a great time talking to him. If you like this episode, please let someone know. Pass it on. Follow us at ThisThirsty on Twitter, at ThisThirsty. Email us at pretzelspod at protonmail.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Hey, Ben. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? You can hear us? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for joining, man. Oh, absolutely, dude. I do a lot of podcasts, mostly football-related. I've been psyched for this. I have no idea what to fucking expect, but... Well, Peter, we, we can talk football, too. I can, yeah, we can do anything here, man. We're, we're dedicated to Seinfeld, though. Don't change the rundown now, guys, all right? No, no, we're all good. Um, all right, all I'm going to do is a quick intro, and then we just kind of jump into it, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, welcome to episode 26 of This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty. Uh, our guest today is uh, Ben Fennell. He is a Drexel alum, Emmy award-winning producer and editor, researcher, uh, with many different media outlets, NFL Network, NFL Films, ESPN College Football, won a national sports Emmy, and owns a Super Bowl ring for his work with the Eagles. So, um, you know, welcome, Ben. Um, and more importantly, he's a Seinfeld fan. That's why he's here. That's why we got him. Um, there was a tweet that caught our eye that O'Hara found, my partner there, uh, where you mentioned the the five second scene that sums up Seinfeld is the rewinding of the tape that George leaves in the briefcase in uh, season eight episode two the soulmate uh, the awkward silence there in the rewind which is a great catch and uh, yeah I wanted to start off with that maybe just kind of uh, what what about that scene or is there any other scenes is that your favorite episode just get us going on your favorite episodes your favorite seasons that sort of thing um, yeah, that, that scene in particular, I feel like we harp on some other, you know, more layman scenes like the parking garage and Chinese, uh, you know, food episode as the iconic Seinfeld representations. And I just seen that in a syndicated episode. And I just wanted to ask the writer, Peter, Peter Melman, about it and how deliberate that was, because it was literally he said in the actual recording, it was about 12 seconds which I'm sure feels like an eternity of straight oh silence, but it's such a Seinfeld thing. Why not have the tape already rewound? It just hit play and go. It's such a Seinfeld moment to sit there in real time and rewind the tape. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And ben, and ben, we got to thank you. The tagging Melman, that inspired us. We did the same thing, and he will be a guest on the show next week. So. Landed Melman next week. We got Oh, him. that's sure. fantastic. That's great yeah, to yeah. hear. I, I've tweeted at him a couple other times uh, to ask him about the origin of certain lines and episodes, yeah. like, like the one where uh, Newman is uh, – Jerry's trying to get Newman's help, and he says, you really think you can manipulate the beautiful young woman like the half-souse nightclub rabble that lap up your inane observations? Little lines like that. I need to know who came up with that. 
Like, I don't, I don't need to know the origin. Like, who came up with that? Was that Wayne Knight? Was that Seinfeld? Was that you, Melman? There's little lines like that through the series. And it's like, who came up with that? Like, when well, Kramer says they went at the beak man, he tried to land, and they cheesed him. Who came up yeah. with that line? Like, <laughs> I just, I have little moments like that where I need to ask somebody, where did this come from? Ben, yeah, my, and we're, we're going to ask him some of that. Mine are, those are great lines. Mine are just more simple, like, hey, she's got a great body, buddy. Like, was that you, Melman? Um, <laughs> ben, just anyway, hearing you breaking down. Sorry, go ahead. All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, so just back to the tweet, I think the more impressive part was Seinfeld actually retweeted it. What, uh, did that add a ton of followers? Like, what, what was that kind of? No, not really. That's actually my second Seinfeld retweet. Get out of here. Yeah, so I was a little desensitized to the second one. The first one <laughs> uh, was, uh, I don't remember what he said, but I just gave the line that he referenced in the episode. Then we'll see what it's like up there without all the assistance. One of his famous Buddy Rich lines that he's worked into the show. And I know he's, he's there's a couple lines that are dear to his heart that I know how to trigger him. So I said that to him and he retweeted it uh, almost instantly. This one was like almost a week later. So it was kind of interesting to see it uh, get churned back up a couple of days later. Ben, I'm noticing a trend here. I, I, I've, since we found you, I've been following your Twitter and your breakdown on those films is incredible. I don't know if any of you guys are listening. Check out Ben on, on Twitter. He has all these breakdowns of NFL games and highlights who to look for. And now I see your analytical mind at work with these Seinfeld episodes. I'm assuming you really <laughs> are going to, are going to be uh, breaking down some stuff for us here on these episodes. Cause that's what we do. Um, we love uh, diving deep. Yeah. I would say, you know, the, the fact that you picked, you picked the rewinding of the tape is uh, you're right because some of the more, you know, well-known scenes um, as the one to sum up the episode. I was trying to think of some when, uh, when I read yours, um, but mine would all have to do with the whole, all four of them, I guess, would be, I don't know the reason. But uh, when did you get into the show? That's kind of our first question. Uh, you're, you're a few years younger than us. Are you, th are you 33? Is that Yeah, right? 33 years old. Um, yeah, so you my mom really was didn't a, get until Relax, Yeah, my right? mom was an avid watcher in the early 90s, obviously right in the heyday of the show. I'm only, you know, eight, 10, 12 years old. So uh, probably season seven, eight, nine, I started to watch it as it came out and must see Thursday on NBC, which seemed like that was life back then to watch mm. Frasier and friends and news radio and that whole lineup. Um, and then I've, I was never, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I've never been a religious guy. I've never come from a religious family. And I really took his show and his way of life and perspectives as almost like a religious like appreciation for how he just views life and observations and talking to people. And I just found the show to be so clever. I love the personalities of it. I just love smart humor. I love things that you have to know things in order to understand the joke. And as you become more educated, as I get older and older, and I watch episodes in syndication, things finally are triggering. Like, that's what he meant. That's who that is. And I love that, that sometimes it's over people's head. But you have to have some knowledge and I don't want to say academia, but there's some some background you have to bring into it in order to get it. And that's smart comedy. And I love that. It's funny. I didn't know where you were going with the religious piece. I thought you were going to tell us you were Latvian Orthodox. But, uh... <laughs> Are they the ones that go around mutilating squirrels? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, it's funny. You, you brought up um, obviously that five second. That's late Seinfeld. So yeah. Um, we've analyzed every season and I think to your point, right? Like it's the small moments that, that capture the show and what 
we've had a again, this is the Mount Rushmore show. So when we say it's a problem, it's it's minuscule. But mm-hmm. you know, the later seasons, we feel like there's just some gimmicky episodes. Like yada, even yada yada was a good show, but the whole concept of yada yada, no soup for you. For us, it, it just it kind of took away to the uh, took away the core value of the show and the subtleties of the show. Just those like gimmicky pieces, just to to grab the attention of the crowd. I'm curious what your thoughts are on early Seinfeld. Let's say seasons two through five, where Tom Chir- Tom Chirons is the director, and just does a fabulous job. And then the the later years, where kind of Larry kind of takes uh, I got takes his foot off the pedal a little bit and lets others kind of. Um, do their thing do you do you view it as two different shows uh not not as uh i guess as raw as maybe you're presenting it but i feel like they hit such home runs in some of those early episodes with the pop culture stuff whether it's you know the junior men so the lines and the contests that they were a little aggressive in trying to recapture some of those hot button pop culture words they're putting in society or maybe a offbeat product. It seemed like they were a little more gimmicky, but a lot of my favorite episodes almost strictly come out of seasons eight and nine. So it's funny that you say that because I feel like the show started to grow a little bit more organically in those later seasons, particularly seven, eight, and nine. That's when they let it different characters kind of work together, whether it's Kramer and Elaine in the meat slicer, Kramer and Elaine doing Punta Mayo or Kramer and George doing photo shoots. You never had those side characters working together in the earlier episodes. Uh, So I love, my favorite episode has always been Serenity Now. And then, you know, the other ones off of that, you know, the Van B boys and dealership and the slicer and Merv Griffin show, Frogger, (laughs) Frogger. They're all the later episodes. Uh, I just feel like uh, probably my top 20, I want to say 18 of them are probably in those last three seasons. Wow. Wow. That's why the show is great. That's why the show is great. You got different views. That is why the show is great. Everyone comes at it from different perspectives. Yeah. I mean, listen, similar to analyzing like an NFL quarterback, right, Ben? You may think Wentz looks great, but we may see it in a different There's light. There's a lot of different ways to look at it, a lot of yeah. moving parts and a lot of different perspectives. But just to let you know, my one yeah. episode from the earlier chunk that has always been near and dear and is probably the one that would slip into the top ten is The Library with Bookman. That yeah. one has always been one of my early episode favorites. But traditionally, if I'm watching syndication, it'll get my eyes and attention for the whole half hour if it's somewhere in the later episodes. It's funny. You mentioned – the dealership and I think the Mayan one. We we have that ranked one one sixty eight and one sixty seven respectively. <laughs> so. yeah, those are our least favorite. But hey, to reach their own, right? That's what we're talking about here. You know, it's interesting though. And as you were talking about that, there is an, an Elaine George com. I mean, Elaine uh, Kramer combo that's great. Is uh, you know when uh, she's dating the therapist and she has to then pretend she's dating Kramer. That's the right. Small Elaine uh, uh, Kramer, but you're right. There wasn't a lot of Elaine Kramer early on, and we always do. That's one of the questions we asked Al Dukes when we had him on: is um, which combo you like the best? Um, you know when they put them together. Sort of, I like the George Kramer. Um, you know from the dinner party, the airport. Um, you know, a few others, but uh, that's a, that's an interesting question we like to ask. Like, what is your sort of your favorite uh, combo when they put two two people together? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. There's so few and far between that, like, I think of a flash of one. I'm just trying to think mm -hmm. if it's recurred enough. And maybe the Kramer and Morty Seinfeld connection has always been really fun. Raincoats, yep. yeah. That's a good particularly one. when he goes down and runs for the condo board president. That's a good um, one. Yeah. You know, they were never around each other a whole lot, but I just love those kind of later interactions with the, the other characters. So, um, speaking of the other characters, right? So, I think the beauty of this show is the secondary characters and the, and the, like just a massive part they play. No question. So give us a little sense of, you mentioned Bookman already, but any others that stand out that, that you just love and when you flip by, obviously you never turn on the channel, but um, that you really lock in on. Yeah, two that are very close to my heart and that I, I just think the same way as they do, and that's Putty and Peterman. Uh, just their putties, obviously, just dumbness and dullness. It just was a great kind of vibe to the show. And then Peterman's just outlandish lines and some of the wild things that he said. Like, there's some things you literally have to read what he what he said aloud because it's just so outlandish um, that you don't really appreciate just hearing the audio of. But Peter Peterman and Putty are probably two of the more recurring characters that I appreciate outside of the landmark ones like Newman and some guys like that. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, again, not two of our favorite. I mean, Peterman had some great, great lines. I love his, uh, that was gibberish when he's out and uh, <laughs> when, when Delaney tracks him down. Um, I had another thing I wanted to say. When you touched on before, it was really interesting about the, um, you laughed even when you didn't know what they were talking about. And then you guys, you, you know, you educated yourself. You, I mean, there are so many things that went over my head that I, you know, I just remember that one with the, um, when all the waitresses had big breasts and he said, it's like a Russ Meyer film in here. Right. So you just laugh. You assume, you know, from the context, but you don't know who Russ Meyer or like is. Uncle Leo I, accusing the cook uh, to be an anti-Semite. He's like, Hey, yeah. before Goebbels made your sandwich here. Yeah. Like, took me years before I knew who Goebbels was. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, there's a lot <laughs> and, of lines uh, like that, or whether it's Caligula or Yo-Yo Ma or Ceausescu. And there's a bunch of like historical figures throughout the show. If you're watching as a 12 year old, there's no way you get it. And right. it's a little more drastic to go into like the Dennis Miller level of comedy, but so many people criticized him on Monday Night Football because they didn't get it. And if I, I'm convinced the people that don't like Seinfeld don't get Seinfeld. And I don't mean to attack intelligence, but there's a lot of background knowledge you have to bring to get his jokes. And I think that's the genius of it. I agree. I had a, I had a writing course once in college. And if the guy, one of the things, if you put in a reference, there's a fine line between is everyone going to get the like how how small that how weird that reference is or or obscure, but I love those kind of references. If you don't get it, that you're writing it for yourself almost at that point. You're like, if three people laugh at this because they understand what I'm saying, then it's a great reference. But um, yeah, I show my daughter episode. She's only eight, and uh, she, uh, she the one with the um, hair and the and Jerry gets sick and he goes, the hair in my farina when I was a kid, and she turns to me, she goes, Dad, what's farina? I had, I didn't even, I'm like, I don't even know. I'm still learning stuff. I had to Google right. Farina. I'm like, what is it? I, I just thought <laughs> it was Farina was after that. But, uh, well, speaking of that, so Ben, you were pretty much eight when you started to watch with your mom, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Were there, were there episodes then that stuck out, um, which really helped you become a fan or, and then rewatching them now, do you see them in a different light? So I'll give an example. Like one of the episodes that, weirdly rubbed it the wrong way now as a as an older man versus then was the uh you know the lick in the envelopes when susan died i, I don't know why i just for some reason now i had more of a problem with it um th than i did then 
Um, I'm just curious if you if there's any shows like that that stick out to you or no. I think as a kid, uh, the the landmark you know Mount Rushmore episodes were big to me then. You know the the seeing the entire show in the lobby of the Chinese food place or the whole show yeah. be done in the parking garage like that stuck with you when you're watching other stuff like Friends and Frasier and things like that. Like that felt different of a show. Uh, so that stuck with me. And then as I started just to get into the show more and more, there are a couple scenes and instances and endings that have really bothered me. If you want to get into some of that conversation, which is always fun. Like, yeah, particularly, yeah, please, please. particularly, I hate the ending of the episode where Kramer wins the money at the racetrack and the blind violinist posing as the cop saves the day. I so, agree. That's the only episode that I can think of, and Nahara, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, that's a happy ending, right? That's yes, and why it you ends with it. like a, a crowd, a yes. studio, crowd, it's, studio it very audience well could clapping. Be the, yeah, it could very well be the only happy ending episode. And you know what I've thought of since then, and I haven't looked it up, and I don't know why, I'm assuming that happened in real life. I'm assuming there was somebody pretending to be blind on the subway and saved a mugging just like the Kramer getting the seizure from Mary Hart on Entertainment Tonight. That was a real thing that right. happened. Um, yeah, they're so, pulling stuff from real life. Yeah, That's I've never point, looked actually. that up, but the feeling and tone of the ending of that episode has always like rubbed me the wrong way to the point I just like kind of cringe and tweak at it. Like it's just such a non-Seinfeld way to end the episode. That's a good point because it's, point, yeah. it's uh, you know, the non-hugging rule and it right. ended on a good note with the clapping. Because uh, even the statue, he hits him at the end and breaks the statue, you know, to make that. It can't be happy when George gets a statue back from Kramer, but then he right. slaps him and it breaks. You know, there's always there's always that twist at the end. That that's payoff at the end, yeah. Yeah, that's like the only one that had a happy There's a couple end. cliffhanger ones too, like uh, the girl that wore the same dress. We never found out why. He gets to up to her apartment. He sees the photos of her in her apartment wearing the dress. And then she wants him to leave. And he keeps egging her on to go walk me to a cab. Can I sleep right. over? Walk me out in the morning. We never find out why she wears the same dress all the time. Just like the girl that refused the pie. We never really find out why she shook off the pie in that first instance. There's a couple weird like storylines and plots that never really come to fruition on the backside. They have Poppy, to do with Jerry's Poppy's inquisitive daughter. mind. All, yes, Poppy's daughter. All of those have to do with Jerry's inquisitive mind, uh, which I do like. I did a, I bring this up almost every episode, but I did a paper on it for my master's degree in library science about information gathering. And Jerry always came from a childlike place. He was always very inquisitive, and that's why he was trying to get information from people. It was a, whereas like George was doing it out of paranoia and trying to like, you know, that was where he was coming from. But. It's also like the genius of the show and that like, we create storyline, we don't have to finish it. And that was also right. why it was kind of different and unique in that, you know what, it's not really what the show and the story is about. We don't need to finish that storyline. Yeah, the only arc was the season four, right? When they, uh, or the, the um, pilot one, when they went through yeah. the whole pilot, that was an arc too, but they didn't really do much arcs. So Ben, in your normal world in sports, well, first of all, yeah, sports plays a, a big role in Sampo. What are some of your favorite um, sports scenes or sports references uh, on the show? I know they don't – it's rare they touch football, right? I think the Joel Rifkin episode is the only one there at Giant Stadium. Um, but any others pop for you? I do love when uh, Jerry is able to ditch George at the dinner and he sits on the couch right when the Giants are going for it. you got to love sports. And he gives a fist bump while sitting on the couch. <laughs> um, I always think about that a lot. But no, I love the uh, the slight tennis episode at the U.S. Open or whatever with the ball girl where he meets her. 
Uh, obviously, the the Orioles Yankees game with Elaine wearing the the Yankees cap is a great one. Um, I love just the mention of Kramer getting into the incident uh, courtside at the NBA game. I know you don't really see it, but he kind of just references it. And then we all went out and hung out with Reggie or whatever after the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, but a lot of a lot of the baseball ones, obviously, you know, the uh, Keith Hernandez being involved and, um, you know, the spitting episode of the JFK references and things like that. Um, yeah, sports wise, I don't know if anyone's in particular really stand out. Um, are you a are you are you a Philly guy originally? I know you went to Drexel and, and you know the Eagles. I grew up connection. in Northeast Pennsylvania in the Poconos. Okay, uh, went to school in Philly, worked at NFL Films and South. You're a Steeler Jersey. guy when you were growing up. You were a Steeler guy. Actually, my you... mom grew up in Green Bay, so wow. in the '60s, so that got inherited uh, almost immediately. Got it. Got it. So to a Harris question then, in in, in that world, um, as you you know come across these different athletes and different media types, you know we were just bouncing off lines to each other and you're hearing them, you're throwing them right back. That's something we all love to do. Um, anyone that we would, you know, anyone in particular that you kind of have that affinity with where you kind of click on the Seinfeld level, they're in the same church, if you will, of uh, Seinfeldism. Yeah, my best friend growing up, we speak the same language. You know, we, we kind of follow the same religion, for lack of better words. Um, and it's just a, a constant, it's like, and that's why I call it religion, because it's a constant way of thinking about things and observing the world and just being enamored with the subtle observations of things. And that's what just trained me to kind of point things out, reference things from the show, and just kind of be more open to the subtleties and, you know, quirks of life. Um, but definitely the, the closest friends of mine have been the ones that uh, we see it the same way traditionally because of Seinfeld. Steve Sable, big Seinfeld guy? Were you there? Were you at NFL Films? Was he yes, I uh, overlapped with him for about three or four years. Uh, I want to say I hung out on two or three Sundays and watched some games with him. I don't know if he had a, a Seinfeld affinity. I would be shocked if he didn't, uh, but I cannot say offhand. <laughs> An avid wanna... fan. He has so much memorabilia and stuff around that building. I haven't seen anything Seinfeld related, so well, um, I'm not sure if he if he's a deep fan or not. Speaking of memorabilia, I think I saw another tweet of yours where you had a bunch of uh, magazines, a la I, I have do. Them here, yes. the yep. old time magazine. We're looking to interview Bruce Handy and a couple. I couple actually weeks. subbed that one out for his Playboy. I only had six frames or spots for six of them. I took that time magazine out for the uh, magazine where he was on the cover of Playboy. So which, what are the six you have? What, what I have Playboy. I have Entertainment Weekly, where it says Seinfeld Strikes Again. I have Mad TV, where he's in a cartoon. And then three Rolling Stones, The Wizard of Oz, the one where he looks like Elvis, and then the one where they're all in, like, leather grunge. Interesting. So we, we all have different ones, which, which is fascinating. The one I'd love to get, actually, is the one that uh, the Time Magazine George had during the, uh, the airport episode that uh, that would be great. With the criminal, it's the one, the one piece I really want is, I've seen it's in Larry David's office. It's when it's the four of them, and it's just a single foot of each of them all, and they're all wearing, like, their traditional shoes. I can't find that anywhere. And Elaine's wearing her dress shoe with the white sock. and It's just the shoes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I have that as a cover of a book that uh, David Wilde wrote. I've seen um, a Larry David. I don't know if it was in Curb or something like that. I've seen it. It's in his office. And I've looked everywhere for it, eBay, things like that. I cannot find it. But that's been the one piece I'm trying to add. 
the Playboy magazine was a nice touch. I always just wanted to know what that first call was like when they said they want you for the cover of Playboy and what his reaction was. Well, Penthouse, yeah, Pen, yeah, well, Penthouse had been in the show a few times, so it's interesting that... Uh, I just you know, picture him looking down, like at his body, like, okay, I guess I'm going to be on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> he probably dated a few uh, girls who were in there, knowing Jerry at that time, I don't know, around <laughs> the 90s. Um, yeah, the NFL Films, man, I did a paper on NFL Films Archive when I was in that library science program, and the NFL Films Archive is incredible. Um, how they catalog everything. There's, oh, yeah. It's really, really fast. It's a little football museum over there. Uh, yeah, they don't seriously. do like public tours or anything, but I wish they did because. Uh, oh, they any, don't? Yeah, they should. I any mean, football fan uh, would definitely appreciate all the memorabilia, the pictures. They've done a great job in kind of making that a little football museum. All right. So let me ask you, Ben. You're a big, uh, big Packers fan. Yep. So they won in what? Was it 09, 11? Yeah, uh, the 09 season, I think the game was played in January or February 2010. Did you go to that Super Bowl? I did not. So let me ask you, would you rather have gone to that Super Bowl or the finale of Seinfeld? Taping. Uh, I would probably go to the finale of Seinfeld, to be honest with you. I'm not a rah-rah type of football fan like I don't get excited about like autographs or going to games or anything like that I'm very desensitized to like the fandom of football I don't know if it's because it's my career or whatnot it's also weird that I grew up a lifelong Packers fan I'm an employee of the Philadelphia Eagles so <laughs> it's a, it's a very strange uh, kind of dynamic as well so I really have to temper my fandom as well in public settings uh, well, but to answer your question being at the Super Bowl the Packers winning or the Seinfeld finale, I would think the Seinfeld finale might have more weight. Nice. Well, listen, it, what did you it's a two-page of bills, right? It's interesting that you have a little similarity to Jerry there, right? Like, he's a huge Mets fan, but he had to embrace the Yankees probably just for broader reach and <laughs> yeah. the Steinberger character, right? So he kind of did the same thing in a way, um, which I always find interesting, right? Like Billy Crystal wearing the Met hat, like during City Slickers, right? Like right. these guys, like the teams they love. Um, not that you're going against the Packers in that case, but um, <laughs> I heard Ben Affleck held up shooting a Batman because they wanted him to wear a Yankees hat, and he refused uh, to. That's yeah. his livelihood. <laughs> did you? Uh, what did you think of the finale? We both we both liked it. Against you know, a lot of people have their different opinions on it. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good way to wrap it up. Um, what are your thoughts on the finale? Seinfeld, what we talked. I about? thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great way to reflect back on previous characters. Um, it was obviously a little strange of a storyline, but I thought that, I thought it fit, and it was you weren't going to please everybody. And I think the the shock value of it afterwards was like, uh, oh, that's it. You know, it was so much anticipation and so much expectations behind it. It, it, that always leaves people disappointed just to be disappointed. Um, but I thought they did a pretty good job. I, I like the episode. I like the recurring uh, characters coming back. There's a lot of great deleted scenes that didn't make it into the episode as well. Um, yeah, I was, I was okay with it. You might be uh, the first, uh, the first non-New York, New Jersey native, I think that we've had as a guest. And most of the ones we've had have all kind of talked about how the show represents New York and maybe it's to New York. I mean, Pennsylvania, you're not far, obviously, but um, 
apparently, you know, it didn't go over your head. In fact, you're, you stressed about how it, it was just the opposite uh, as far as the intellect They gave goes. a couple uh, a couple of Poconos references in there, too. Yeah, that's true. They did. Didn't, uh... <laughs> Honey, aren't we going to the Poconos this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's next week. I, I used to always think about, I, I was always fascinated with the idea that it would they would do a caricature of Steinbrenner all those years kind of making fun of him, doing Larry David, just seeing the back of his head and being outlandish and funny. They finally invite him on it. They script it. They shoot it. And they cut his scenes before the final airing. Yeah. Like, imagine the gall of making fun of a guy for years, finally inviting him, shooting it, going through rehearsals and everything, and then you cut the scenes before it airs. Like, I think about that a lot. Yeah, that was, that was disappointing. It makes me think of, like, today um... – uh, Mayor Dinkins died, and he was a part of that show. Right, yeah. Non-fat yoga, like he easily could have been on the um, on the episode as well. Obviously, if if he won the election, it wasn't for Lloyd Braun, right? Um, <laughs> so it's funny, like you mentioned episodes, like you mentioned your buddy growing up, like you kind of reference um, like Seinfeld's all about the lines, right? And even some, even like you mentioned the silence, right, of them rewinding the tape. But like, what are some of your favorite lines that just like religiously you say and people may get or may not right like tippy toe lemon tree like we'll say that a lot or <laughs> I, I always mention whenever i'm going to the airport i'll mention jfk honolulu like and t usually it goes over people's heads which is fine but um there's always those couple lines that just always resonate what are what are some of those of yours you know i say them so much it's actually a little tough oh, sorry about that. Uh, it's actually a little tough to just pull it off the cuff like that um, there are some I know I say a lot, like, what is this, Amateur Hour, uh, which, of course, is from the Merv Griffin episode. I hate to bring that up again. Two, two nice. animal acts on the same set. What is this, Amateur Hour? <laughs> but um, I literally say them so often. I don't know if I have a go-to one or not. Um, I, I like to say the George line in the Pothole episode when he's pretending they're doing the fantasy hard labor fantasy camp, and the guy looks at him, <laughs> is this about money? <laughs> yeah, it's about money. That guy's a great delivery of that line. Yeah. We talked about that when we went over that podcast. Yeah, it's about money. one line and he nails it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some like that. I don't know if I could pull him off off the cuff like this. I think I say him so often. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to. I'm a little well, disappointed in myself. No, no. Well, no, it's no, funny. It's like, fun. you, you're, you're like analytics background and obviously doing stuff with the NFL and the Eagles. Like, <clears throat> do you? And it sounds like you've done a lot of history on Seinfeld, like looking up different things. Like, do you break down – <laughs> do you break down episodes like wow this like this director did that this writer wrote this no no not, 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 not that writing. not that deep i know i know it like kind of alludes that my mind is a very <laughs> shred everything apart type of guy it's really just the football stuff and i'm just so passionate about seinfeld i don't have these conversations with anybody about seinfeld well i'll say lines and things like that and we'll yeah. watch but i'm i was excited that somebody wants to talk nuts and bolts of seinfeld i'm ready to talk <laughs> nuts and bolts of Seinfeld but no I never really dig in too much of being like analytic of writers or directors or you know uh decisions on the show I look at things um maybe a little bit different maybe a little more critical uh not taking things just for face value on stuff like you know explaining the endings of shows and things like that uh, or endings of storylines but uh, I'm probably alluding to being a little more analytic than I am no, no, I, mean, I think okay. I think a good fan is critical, right? Like we we think it's the best comedy ever, right? Like the TV guide says, but 
Um, but I think when you analyze every show and go through every season, you're gonna you're gonna find some gaps. Right. Are you guys? Uh, do you guys watch comedians of cars? Yes. yes. Yeah. And curb. That a lot. A lot of times we get asked about curb. I, we'll throw that out there to you then. What? What? Which comedians and cars or curb episodes kind of strike you? If, I'm assuming you're fans of both. Or oh yeah. So comedians and cars. I love. I love the format. I love that's a little bit of Top Gear mixed in with just two comedians, you know, shooting the shit type of thing. Um, loved, you know, the Steve Harvey episode. I love seeing him go with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, just being regular guys eating a meal, freaking in their pajamas in the basement. Uh, Will Ferrell, the fact Barack Obama went on was a great episode. Anytime he is, Julia and people like that, uh, I absolutely love. But I didn't like Curb Your Enthusiasm for a long okay. time. I felt it was very similar to the tone of Seinfeld, but it wasn't Seinfeld. And I was just so passionate about Seinfeld. I felt like it was trying to have that narrative and that feel to it, but it wasn't it until the reunion season where they brought all the Seinfeld characters back. I think it was Curb season seven. I watched that full season as it came out, loved it, then went back and appreciated Curb from the start. But for those first five, six seasons, I really wasn't a watcher of Curb and really didn't give it much time or attention. Yeah, I brought it up to James Altucher when we had him on. I think the reason why I, I'm, I'm bigger with Seinfeld than with Curb, although I do like Curb, I think it got a little played out in my mind towards the end for some of the reasons you just mentioned and the fact that it kind of just, how many times can you tell the same story with Larry getting in trouble with people that, you know, misbehaving. But the real reason I didn't like Curb as much is because it's not, it's not written, it's not scripted. Right. So you don't have the genius of the writing, which we talked about at the top of the show about, you know, who wrote that line, who picked out that exact line. That's writing, good writing. That's why Seinfeld's so good. And it's just getting from A to B in the storyline, right. however I mean, you want yeah, to. Exactly. Curb just let the actors do it. And if they said a funny line, yeah, but otherwise it was just the premise was what was funny, but there's no joke in between. There's no writing in between. There's no rewinding a tape in between, whatever it might be. So that was kind of the difference I thought between the two. Um, but Comedians and Cars is, is always, it's always good to hear people. I love the, uh, inside baseball talk that they do and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so what, um, while we're kind of just diving a little bit deeper, I know Harry mentioned lines, we got your secondary characters. What is your, you know, what is your, uh, you kind of touched on it, but do you have a top five or do you have your favorite season? Um, maybe give us your top five. I don't know if you thought about it before you came on, but we'll give you, you know. Yeah, well, my number one has always been Serenity Now. I love okay. the, when Jerry decides to get emotional for the first time and having feelings. I think that's just a really clever episode. Uh, yeah, it's when uh, George sells the computers and uh, uh, Kramer sets up the screen door and, you know, he's going through his emotions with the neighborhood kids and stuff. I just love that whole episode. Um uh, so many of the late ones I'm trying to see if there's something the betrayal so unique to you know do the backwards episode at that time and then there's little things like digging into the betrayal and where that came from and uh, the Shakespearean connection to things and all the references throughout the show to like the OJ trial and JFK and the recurring stuff is so interesting but um, love the Frogger episode late love the Puerto Rican Day Parade one late even though that really, really wasn't uh, in the syndication right lineup for a long time because of the controversy of burning the flag. Um, 
I love the peephole and the strong box and the wizard and the slicer, the dealership episode. The dealership doesn't get the same love as the Chinese food store or the parking garage that it should. It's the same static setting type of show. You might have to get into this a little bit. I know, I know Kramer goes with a test drive with the guy, yes. but the show is such a genius one setting plot in going through all the dynamics of the dealership. It's a brilliant episode. Yeah, but let, let's dive into this just a little bit because uh, I'd like to know, George in that episode is so over the top. That doesn't bother you at all. You like he is very the theatric. Yeah, yeah, he is theatrical with it. And... Uh, yeah, he, he was probably a little out of character there and the whole, you know, the candy machine feud and things like that. I think he had to play to like the drub character of that mechanic that potentially stole and how monotone and dry he was. I think George had to kind of lift up the theatrics on his side. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally like the Kramer scene more in that episode when, when he just says to the guy, that's a crazy thing to say. And, uh, you know, me and that other guy, we went farther than anyone else. Like, I like that scene. We went over it. We were, we were the just the subtlety at the very end. The partner did not <laughs> just sit back in the chair to say, uh, all right, I'll think about it. Yeah, I don't, going through all that. Like, <laughs> I don't, if, a, if a Seinfeld show comes on TBS, whatever, I rarely skip it. If the dealership comes on, I don't watch that's a interesting story. okay it's, um, it's just it, it's just it not the essence of the show like george ah, you know, like i don't know like i just didn't laugh i, I don't know what it was the subtle like, references to arby's and, and david putty we went out to lunch where'd you go arby's i had the roast beef yeah <laughs> you know listen it, we get into putty as well like in my opinion that's Again, for me, some people they don't think Putty should have that big of a role in right, that's kind of it. Almost, it almost like deletes yeah, his side right. character presence. Yeah. That's our and that's, feeling, and that's what we, touches on your piece yeah. earlier about like relationship humor. Like uh, Elaine should have a one and then boyfriend. There shouldn't have he shouldn't be back, you know. But I get they were. T- I I know what they were trying to do. I get it. Um, and the ratings didn't lie. So what the hell do I know? But um, yeah, I think it's a it's. Uh, so those are, those are pretty much like your top five, essentially. Yeah, I'm a I mean, sucker for the later episodes for sure. Uh, there's a couple earlier ones that I, I don't really care for. Maybe. Yeah, which ones don't we like to say that too? What are your kind of least favorite? I know you touched on the subway. Any Anything else? Uh, that's, out? A, that's a good question off the top of my head. It's, it's going to be all the earlier episode ones. I don't love the puffy shirt. I don't love the red dot or the Pez dispenser one. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I mean, this is why the show's so good. The red dot's our second favorite of all time. Yeah, um, I didn't love the woman actress choice and the Pez dispensers. She drove me crazy. Uh, George's the pianist, girl. The pianist, yeah. The oh, see, that was her. I thought that was her. That was her I thought she was good. That was her kind of a charm. She was supposed um, to be like. I love well, I the do- like- I love the dog episode where he has to take care of the dog from the drunk guy in the plane. <laughs> then that doesn't, doesn't show back up. That one's pretty good. Powerful. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason I like the Pez Spencer girl, I think she was more relatable for George. Like, George getting all these hot girls at the end just didn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, you got hand, you the alternate need. side episode with the, the cars is oh, always good. Top five for us, my man. That top one's, five That one's us. really good. I love I love the character of the – what was the guy's Moffitt? name? Moffitt? Did? Moffitt? Yes. That, that was uh, – that George took over as his – uh, car parking duties. Sid, yes. Sid's Sid, awesome. yeah, Sid, yeah. I never put my pants on. <laughs> you ready for your pants <laughs> on? My question to you is, who's putting your pants on? Oh, man. No, we, uh, this, is why this, this is why it's so great to talk about Seinfeld. Uh, I got stuff like this all over the place. I got lines that bother me. Like, 
in the uh, the Pam episode, the scrunchie. And, yep. and, yeah. and uh, Newman gives Kramer the poem to say. Yes. And he says yeah. it's from an unnamed 20th century whatever. And then she then asks, oh, what's his name? Newman. I don't understand that line of thinking there. She says it's an unnamed poet. And he says, what's his name? And he says, Newman. Like little nice lines like little lines like that throughout that bother me like well that's good it sounds like a lot does bother you on yeah show. i like that oh yeah I, yeah let's touch a little bit more on that if you got a minute what else what else because i like that kind of thing we don't like that and, and our last guest didn't like it either the fact that there's so many car driving in the in the show and they're in new york city yeah you know, they're driving okay. cars yeah. like that's that's it's what it's a, all about though right. the city feel to it yeah so i'm a sucker so like just like serenity now i love the visa episode that's probably one of the earlier ones I like because I like when he's not himself. So Serenity now, he's all emotional. The Visa episode, George wants him to not be funny. So I he has to say happy birthday to his George's girlfriend, and he does it very monotone and dry. And it's just so not Seinfeld. It's hilarious. So anytime what, about the, not, what about the Kenny Rogers when he becomes Kramer? Yeah, that one's, that one's great too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, was that season six or seven there? Kenny Rogers was seven, yeah, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, little, the, little uh, Jerry, the cockfighting and the slicer one. The, oh man, you like the slicer eight. one? Chicken roaster was eight. Chicken roaster, eight. yeah, yeah. I like um, the slicer one. I thought that was that was different. Well, that's a that's a that's a Kramer. Well, you don't have to, you don't know how to use it. Oh, well, <laughs> say where's the on-off switch right there? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a Kramer Elaine. A Kramer Elaine is a is an interesting combo. I the George Elaines are always pretty funny too because he's afraid of her. He mentioned that a couple of times. Right. So so Ben, you mentioned uh, like some other shows you're into, like News Radio, which Charon's also helped direct. Uh, Friends. You don't put those in the same category. No, 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 okay. no, not at all. Yeah, uh, I'm not as passionate about any other comedy really um trying to think if there's one that even comes close i you know definitely uh, had an appreciation for always sunny in the 2000s um they did a seinfeld spoof right an episode where they did, i like, believe so and i think i actually fell off a little bit watching i think I that did, was in the I later episodes i did see a promo where they're all dressed up like the seinfeld characters i don't yeah, think i, I saw that episode too. though well, the thing about that show, as we're touching on that, is they were they were kind of they were different. Like, not many shows come along. That's why it struck my eye when it first started. And I think on the back of season one DVD, it says on there the best three guys and a girl since Seinfeld, or something like that. It references Seinfeld on the back of the DVD of season one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who? Uh, just uh, you know, when I think about the consistency of the show of, of one character, I, for my money seasons one through nine it's jerry just because i see so many fluctuations in the other characters you know of the four who do you relate to or who do you relate to and then who do you who do you see as the most consistent the, the whole way like who do you enjoy the most yeah i would say i relate to jerry the most just his dryness his ability to kind of say sarcastic lines in a very monotone way i'm the guy that you know has something funny to say at the funeral type of guy um, I'm always thinking in terms of observational humor. Um, like when, like when I think about this a lot when in the comedians and cars episode with Steve Harvey and they talk about when tragedy strikes, 
we already have the jokes. We just need to know when to release them at the right time. I'm the same way. When something like happens, happens like that or sensitive, I already have the jokes. And now it's just waiting for society to kind of catch up and be able to take the joke. It's the same way as Seinfeld thinking. Um, I also like some of those later episodes because of the cold opens. And that those opens were so bizarre, so bizarrely written, and so having nothing to do with anything. Who's the Dutch? Yeah, right. Who's Holland, that one? Yes, yeah. They're they're hilarious, whether it's Kramer trying to finish the meal before they walk into the store at the one point, or him and Jerry talking about the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. Some of them are so, are literally the deepest Seinfeld watchers don't have a good grasp of them because they don't have anything to do with the episode. So it's the cold open and then the whole show. So a lot of times I have to go back and watch the cold open by itself. So like particularly that Cain and Abel one, when you're done watching it, go watch that Seinfeld Cain and Abel explained. It is so bizarre. I need to know who came up with those lines. The mustache too is that one, one of those cold opens. It's funny. It's great to mention that because we brought that up because we, our first 20 episodes of this podcast, we went, like I said, we went through every single episode of the show. And I noticed those later seasons, the cold opens were just these random conversations that just kind of had no, you know, non sequiturs. They were uh, really good, though. Awesome. Got anything, Wire? No, man. Ben, we uh, we appreciate the time. Yeah, I this mean, was great, man. We're always up for talking. Science. Great to talk to a huge Seinfeld fan like yourself. I'm just curious, do you ever, you ever splice some humor into your uh, NFL analysis? I like to keep my worlds apart. Um, but <laughs> we don't want worlds collided. I, I try to every now and then, and maybe my uh, my film articles, I'll, I'll by default just have something Seinfeld related that I won't explain, but I'll just put it in there. And usually, one person will catch it, and the three that read the article. But well, the one person who's been catching it is Jerry himself. So that's <laughs> that's awesome. That, have you guys uh, caught him uh, in person uh, doing stand up at all? I did. Uh, I actually saw him in Scranton, sort of uh, near neck of the woods. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, I drove up there to see him. I also, I also saw Larry David's Broadway play, uh, Fish in the Dark, and when it was on Broadway. I saw the uh, Long Story Short, the one that oh, Seinfeld cool. directed for Colin Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that one a couple years ago, and I saw him do stand-up once in Portland, Maine. Although, <laughs> I, all I wanted to do is get a picture with him. So I staked out where he goes in about an hour before the show, shows up like five minutes before. I say, hey, can I get a picture? And he says, I'm running behind meet me here after I'll take a picture with you after. And I yelled to him. I said, that's fine. As long as you don't get all buddy rich on me. And he stopped before he walked in and I thought he was going to turn and say something to me. And he didn't. Um, But that I know he's known buddy rich has come very close to his heart. And just for anybody listening, that doesn't know he was a musician that would then go and rip the band uh, on the tour bus after the shows. And they started recording those rippings. And a lot of those recordings have worked their way into the show. Like, I'll take you outside and show you what it's like. Or you'll see what it's like up there without all the assistance. I know that's close to his heart. So I said, don't get all buddy rich on me. Uh, <laughs> and I tried to find him after the show and, and he left. But uh, so you, you never got the picture. Never got never got the photo. And I'm going to bring it up the second I see him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always got a Larry David story. Well, listen, about. You, uh, retweet this episode and ask for the picture. Maybe he'll bite. well ben uh, this was great ben we appreciate the time and uh looking forward to catching up uh down the road yeah absolutely thanks for having me on guys a lot of fun this was cool thanks man appreciate it